Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. Acts chapter 20, find verse 7. If you're older, say yes. yes. Reading from the New Living Translation tonight. On the first day of the week, we gathered with the local believers to share in the Lord's Supper. Paul was preaching to them, and since he was leaving the next day, he kept talking until midnight. <laughs> the upstairs room where we met was lighted with many flickering lamps. As Paul spoke on and on, everybody say on and on, a young man named Eutychus, everybody say Eutychus, Eutychus, sitting on the windowsill, became very drowsy. Finally, he fell asleep and dropped three stories to his death below. Wow. Paul went down, bent over him, and took him into his arms. Quote, don't worry, he said. He's alive. I want you to say that. Don't worry. He's alive. Verse 11. And they all went back upstairs and shared in the Lord's Supper. They ate together, and Paul continued talking with them until dawn. And then he left. Meanwhile, the young man was taken up home, alive and well. And everyone was greatly relieved. Let's pray. Father, thank you for what you've done, what you're going to do even tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I'd encourage you to take notes. Uh, we do generally have notes for you, but the printer has given up the ghost once again. And uh, we will, again, encourage you to take notes with pen and paper. Uh, we do have... Uh, notes online that you can find with the QR code. You take your camera, take a picture of this funny looking square, which is called a QR code, then make that a little bit bigger, get up close on that, and it should bring in a link. You tap the link and it'll bring you to the notes for tonight, all right? And so you go ahead and do that. It is my prayer that more than you taking notes with pen and paper that God would with his own finger write upon the fleshly tablets of our heart. Father, move in power tonight. May we never be the same. In Jesus' name, Paul stays in Troas a week so he can worship with the church. Paul has a, a, the apostle Paul is traveling, planting churches, and he would go back and revisit churches. And so he's here and he's visiting with them and he's, he's going to leave. So it's his, his final time with them, and he's, he's taking off. Anybody ever had that? You know, you've got family over for Thanksgiving or something, and you know they got to catch one of those gouge-your-eyes-out flights out of Alaska and fly back home at 3 in the morning, 2 in the morning, and to catch the 150 flight, the convenient 150 a.m. flight out of Alaska. You know why it's like that here in Alaska? Because we're just tougher than regular people, and they know we can handle it. So... And so, you know, you, you take the 150 or the 3 a.m. flight. Uh, so 
you stay up and you have, you know, espresso and you, you have more dessert and you eat some more and you hang out and you talk and you laugh and you go right to the moment where, okay, we've got to drive to go to the airport because it's time to go. That's really the picture. He just, he's not, he doesn't want to leave because he's going to miss him. He's going to miss him. So he just goes on and on and on. Anybody ever been to a four-hour church service? How about five? Six? Seven? Is six or seven hours? Seven? Heaven never ends. In heaven is 24-7. And so he's, he's going on and on. And while he's preaching, a young man with an unusual name, unless you're Greek, Eutychus, thank you, and I, I didn't look up the meaning of Eutychus, but a young man is drowsy. So he's, Paul wasn't a great preacher. Did you know that? It, he wasn't like an Apollos. He wasn't a trained order. And he says, I'm not very, I'm not good at speaking. He says, but it's not the eloquence of man or the wisdom of man, but the power and demonstration of the spirit. So how many of you know, you might not be able to speak too good. But if you raise the dead, it's all right. There's a, I, I, there's a lot of emphasis on, on being, you know, the uh, silver-tongued, you know, and, and just honey dripping off of their lips. Listen, who cares what's dripping off your lips? If you can't heal the sick and set the captives free by the power of the name of Jesus, maybe you should keep your lips shut. But as long as Christ has preached truth be told, don't let your lips be shut. But to separate signs and wonders and miracles from the preaching of the word is completely an unbiblical thing and has happened all across America. May it never happen here. This message, when I first heard it, was preached in 1996. And I will never forget Dr. Morocco getting up and saying, God spoke to me. And we all perked our ears up. He said, the Lord spoke to me and said, stop blaming and raise the dead. So I modernized it and I said, the title of tonight's message is, shut up and raise the dead. <laughs> sort of the younger version. See, that's not very polite. I've found that the Lord encourages me to, to shut up at times. Some of you need to tell yourself to. Shut up. Be, be quiet. Stop, stop running your mouth. And I've, I've, I've released things from my mouth that, that I've wanted to retract and I retract and I have. I've, I've been on the way to miracles and yet because I got so discouraged I started pointing the finger and getting mad. At the purchase of our property all those years ago, we didn't have the million dollars to purchase a $4 million property. In other words, we put it, it went back to the bank. We were able to buy it for a million. It was worth $4 million. So literally all you have to do is come up with a million was doable, except for the fact it wasn't. What a deal. I mean, what a deal. When he said, you can get in on Bitcoin, man, really low. <laughs> you just need 30 grand or whatever they said. I'm like, yeah. You know, that's how many of you know one person's low is another person's, another person's high. So we needed a million dollars. We'd stand there. I will never forget the accusation starting to come to my mind. My gosh, if we had just, oh, why did we, oh, God, oh, if they had just, and I'm just like, stop. 
shut up and raise the dead. You will face things in your life that you don't know how to get through. You don't know how to get over it. You don't know how to bring the healing. You don't know what the answer is. You don't know how to see the miracle. You don't have the wisdom. You ain't pretty enough, nearly. You ain't handsome enough, no way. And even if you were, there's no such thing. Beauty is skin deep, ugly goes straight to the bone. I think about people in Scripture who tried to do everything, everything they could to manipulate. Everything they could to manipulate to try to get their way. And they, they get to the end of themselves. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad that God still raises the dead. If this happened today, if this happened today and a boy fell out, can you imagine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? I preach till midnight, and let's say we're on the third story, and somebody falls. It's a horrible tragedy. I mean, you want to talk about a dampener on, your, on the move of the Spirit for the service. He's dead! Mourning, wailing. If this happened today in today's church, what would that be like? Shoot, some people be some people would be shooting the, the, the frontiersmen an email right away at King's. It, yeah, instantly, it instantly it'd be like this, and then you see the body, and you see this, and it'd just be broadcasted everywhere. And and it'd be easy to blame people, and I, I think there's some people to blame. No, really, boy, boys, what are you sitting in the window still for anyway? If it happened today, come on, put that next blank up. If it happened today, some people bring the preacher. You were the longest-winded, bore, most boring. Man, if you had some anointing and something to say, Apostle Paul, maybe we would not fall asleep. I told you, 32 minutes, 29 minutes. 20. <laughs> I told you, 29 minutes. You know, you might not understand that, but you got to, when you preach, and you preach for large churches and TV and all that, you, they tell you how long to preach. You preach 29 minutes, and that's a 30-second intro and a 30-second outro, so you can release 29 minutes on, online, on, on the film, on the TV. Well, it's not 29 minutes. It says he goes on to midnight. What time did he start church? I mean, we could go and look and see if we could figure out culturally when maybe they started the church but he went on and on the on and on in the greek on and on you know what that means it means in the greek on and on and paul kept talking on and on so you could easily blame the preacher how can you preach that my son is dead my son's dead that's not what happens Paul responded so quickly, it's not what happened, but other people could blame not just a preacher, could blame the youth for playing Xbox 360 till two in the morning. Some would blame the youth for falling asleep. I told you to stay awake, how could you? I thought, he's dead now, what are you slapping him for? So a lot of people you can point the fingers at. The third thing we see, who you could blame? You could blame the church. I said, well, they weren't in a church. They were at someone's house. Okay. Okay. You could blame the owner of the house. There's a little key in there that says there were many lamps flickering. 
So if you understand lamps flickering and the fuel they used, it could have potentially had not enough ventilation. And it could have been hot. They maybe didn't have fans like we have right now. They certainly didn't have lights like we have. And so there could have been a ventilation problem. You could have blamed the owner of the house. And if it was a church, you could blame the church. Yeah, heat stroke. You know how hot it is in there? There's no windows to open, for God's sake. <laughs> Next one. I like this one. It's my favorite. Let's blame the parents. Some parents are to blame, honestly, but I mean, after someone's dead, you, you know, what's the point? I mean, learn. Learn from whatever happened with your children before that so you don't, you know, you don't ruin the, the younger ones. Hello? I'm preaching better than you're amening. I thought it's not about blaming. No, it said you should take personal responsibility. There's a principle called the window in the mirror, and uh, we know it full well in a book called Good to Great. The window in the mirror principle is when it's really good, look out the window and thank everybody that's making it happen. When it's lame and someone's dead, look in the mirror and take personal responsibility for whatever, wherever you fail. But then after that, you still have a dead person. Now I'm talking, I'm talking roundabout terms because there's circumstances and situations that you have in your life where things end up dead. A vision ends up dead. A relationship ends up dead. The finances end up dead. Could have blamed the parents, but that, that's not what Paul does. And we don't hear any talk of that. And I, I think maybe because Paul responded so quickly. Some people never, they never solve their problems because they're always pointing the finger at somebody else and refuse to take responsibility. Listen, you know, at the end, in the end, when it's over and you stand before the throne, your mama and your daddy ain't going to be standing next to you. Your brother and your sister, your ex-wife, your ex-husband, no going to be standing next to you. It's going to be you. That's it. And there'll be no manipulating the Son of Man on that day because God knows everything. And there is a day of judgment for the believer the day of judgment for the unbeliever, the day of judgment for the nations. There's five different judgments, doctor. Do I have that right? Five different judgments in the book of Revelation. By the very fact that we stand before God by ourselves, for by ourselves, just us before the Lord, is an indication that you are personally responsible for your life. And if you want to blame your parents, you go right ahead. But I would highly suggest you shut up and raise the dead. You can blame your mama. You can blame the fact that you were bottle fed and not. You can blame the fact on all kinds of stuff of why you're weird or why it doesn't work or why you can't follow through or why you can't get delivered. Oh, you're special. Or you have some special thing that God can't deliver you. I am preaching way better than you guys are amening. I'm going over here. I don't feel the love in the middle section. If you want to have a breakthrough in your life, take personal responsibility and confront your issues. That's what I had to do. I didn't like, I got rebuked. I'm like, dude, it's wrong. Then I took a survey of those that were a part of the attitude time that I had. It was others. This is a meeting. And in my survey, survey says, he's wrong and I'm right. Hey, don't you love that? I love that. I took a survey and everybody's like, yeah, no, we don't agree. I'm like, 
And I, I didn't, I just said, you know, in the meeting, did you find that my attitude was, I didn't say, hey, so-and-so said, <laughs> I just asked him, did you feel like I had an attitude? Because if I, if I did, I just, you know, I'm sorry. And no, no, everything's good. I'm like, awesome. So I took a survey of the people in the meeting. Nobody agrees. One big problem. Apparently the Lord agrees. And you can, you can look for people to support your, you can look for people to, to support your opinion. You can go, I, I hate that. If you're going to get counseling from us, don't go looking around to try to get the counseling and the decision you've already made. Be open to being corrected. Be open to a new idea. Be open to the word of God. Don't, don't like, well, I got counseling. I'm not doing that. I'm doing what I want to do. I did it my way. Yeah. Straight to the pit. I'm not sure if Frank Sinatra went there, but may he have gone to heaven. It's my way, the highway. Okay, Satan. Come on, smile at me. Come on. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, Woo, it's going to be a church. Shut up. Someone say, Shut up. Shut up and raise the. Raise the dead. If you're not willing to confront things and be self-effacing and have some emotional intelligence. Some of you have a very high IQ, but you have a very low emotional IQ. You're really smart in the head. Really dumb in other areas. If you're going to change things, you're going to have to confront it. And I, I touched on this at ETS, my... Uh, eat the scroll. Some think, some think it's eat the squirrel. It's eat the scroll. Some people never solve their problem because they're always blaming others. Instead, God wants to see, God wants us to see our problems as opportunities for a miracle. I want you to say that. Say, my problem is an opportunity for a miracle. Say it again like you mean it. Say, my, my problem is an opportunity for a miracle. And I shared this story with you on the night that our, we lost our building and it froze along with many other properties all across Wasilla and the very bizarre demonic storm that hit us in the early parts of January. And having come through the other side, I was presented, I prayed, I read, God touched me and he spoke to me and he said, son, you can embrace what everybody's saying or you can embrace what I'm saying. I made a choice and said, well, I don't really care what anybody else says. I want to say what you want to say. I'm with you, God. I'm with you. And there is no impossible scenarios. There is no impossible circumstances. There's only people who, who, who think of impossibilities. There's no hopelessness, but only people that grow hopeless. And when you tap in and you connect in with God, you'll see that he will take that cloud and show you a silver lining. When you tap in and you connect and you obey his word and you listen and abide and remain in him, he'll show you a way through the wilderness. If you'll, if you'll stay connected to God and you'll push all the doubts and you'll push all the, the, the blaming accusation who comes, basically comes from the father of lies. He's the accuser of the brethren. He'll accuse you. He'll accuse your neighbor. He'll accuse your spouse. And if you get an agreement with him, then you're going to have someone that's dead at the end of the day and you'll have no breakthrough, no miracle. You need to 
shut it and raise the dead. And the only way that that happens is by getting connected with the one who can do it. Okay, you made a mistake. I told you, where's Hank? I told you there was too many lamps in there. I told you it was too hot in that facility. Okay, maybe you did. Somebody help the boy. You've got to confront things. If you don't confront things, you will have the devil running your... If you don't confront things in your business, you'll have the devil in your business. If you don't confront things in your home, the diablo, that's Spanish for devil, will be in your house. If you don't confront things in, in the government, if you don't confront... If, listen, there's certain laws that are coming down the pike that, that are already... They've been made into laws. Who's going to stand and say no? If you don't confront things, then it'll just run roughshod all over us. And before you know it, there'll be, there'll be more boys claiming to be girls in sports. And there's a meeting tonight. There's a meeting tonight about that. And I pray, God, that people would stand. Come on, just lift your voice for a moment in prayer. We pray, God, here in Wasilla and over the state of Alaska. Lord, that, that would be pushed back in Jesus' name. We would not see that take place. Perversion. We will refuse to call that which is wrong right. In Jesus' name. Amen. So you're going to have to confront things. I had to confront my attitude and I decided that I must have it since the Lord rebuked me. How many of you know it's like supernatural rebuking? All the people I surveyed are happy to slap me. Do you understand what I'm talking about? They're happy to rebuke me. I think some of them are looking forward to doing it. So the survey I took with my attitude, are you all following me on back to this correction I just got today? <laughs> started today. Actually started Tuesday. It got wrapped up today. This is fresh, fresh off the press. I get rebuked. I know they're wrong. I take a survey from people who are happy to slap me and have many times before. How many of you know some people need a slap? How many of you? The Lord, the Lord corrects those. Right. Lauren Cunningham had a, a little plaque on his computer for years. Those whom the Lord loves, he beats the hell out of. See, so why would he have that? Because if you got any hell on the inside, it'd be great if you got rid of it. Amen. And so I take a survey from people that have are willing to and happy to and maybe even want to correct me and all of them come up with survey says no you don't have an attitude except except one person who I think they're wrong and then the Lord begins to supernaturally say right there right there right there what are you gonna do now I'm like shoot I guess I'm blind and because you're correcting me I'm gonna take it from you I'm of you know when the Holy Spirit speaks to you he spoke to you be like, oh no, you're wrong. That must be a devil. You know, you know the wrong me. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> so what did I do? I confronted it. I repented. I've talked with my wife. I said, it's, it's, is it a big deal? Not, not, not really. But then yes, because that's how the enemy works. If he can creep his ugly little fork tongue into your life, if he can creep, come on. If you start dancing, he just asks you if you want to dance. And so then you can, you can prop yourself up and make excuses and say everybody's wrong. You say, well, nobody, I don't have any friends and people just can't hang with me. No, you're weird. I just don't have any friends. That's because you're a jerk. Listen, if you don't have any friends, some of you don't have any friends. All your friends are just like, 
They're not, they don't, you don't keep friends long. Newsflash. It's not them. You see, for years, nobody wants to be my friend. It's not them, it's you. Standing in the need of prayer. I'm not liking this message. You have to, I, you have to confront stuff. Paul here is a picture of, of seeing a tragedy turned into an opportunity. Listen, some of you, everything's all rosy right now. You know, not Minister Rosie. I'm just saying, some everything's shiny, wonderful, and new. Fantastic. How's it? Fantastic. How's everything going? Glorious. I just have glory shooting out of my face. Everything's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Well, tomorrow you might get news where it's not so amazing. And you're going to have to take the message that I'm preaching. Say, God, that was a good word, but I didn't really bear witness to it. Oh, there'll come a moment. Come on, what do you say? When the world gives you lemons, make lemonade. All right. Paul's a picture of how to, how we can solve problems. He confronted the problem. He what? He confronted it. What do you have to confront? What, what is God asking you to confront? What, is it the lust problem you have? Oh. Did, did, I, did, I, did I step in a shinola for a second? Is it the, is it the greed? <laughs> 1950s quotes. Is it the greed? Is it the lust? Is it the anger problem that you have that you excuse? That did you so angry that everybody in your family walks on, on just tiptoes around you because God forbid you'd blow your stack. I mean, everybody, it's just like a, a check when you come in. Oh, he's okay, thank God. Or do you come in, oh. What is, what is the thing that you need to confront? Sometimes it's other people. Many times it, the hardest things are that which is internal, like I'm talking about. You know what the meat of the word? I need meat. I don't want any milk. Well, you need to graduate from milk first. But real meat, the meat of the word, the meat of the word is that which confronts you in a place where you don't really want to be confronted. And instead of changing churches, Instead of changing spouses, instead of, instead of changing jobs, I can't believe they corrected me. Got to face your problems, not ignore them. Everybody say, face your problem. Somebody's like looking right at your husband. All right. It's not your husband. We were... It's not your wife. We war not against flesh and blood. Believe that God's got the power to change things. How many of you believe that God can change things? Raise your hand. Raise two hands. Lift a foot. How many? He changed you. He changed you. They'll keep letting him change you. I've seen people go three quarters and then you get to the sacred cow they have. And they're like, I love the Lord. I love the Oh, I love him. Oh, uh, I love the Lord. He said, I'm not a cow, I'm a bull. Whatever. You get full of bull, then you need to get rid of it. 
have a praise break. Come on. We got to face our problems, not ignore them. We got to believe that God's got the power to change things. He can change you. Don't ever stop in serving God for, for quite a while. And, I'm, and he still loves me and corrects me every single day. I got greatly rebuked and I greatly repented. And I've, I've made a, a deal with, with him and others. I can see this thread. It's thin. It's not that big a deal. It can be excused. Doesn't see, you know what I mean? It can be dismissed. But the Lord, the Lord is putting his finger on it. Listen, if you go to another level, you're going to go to another level, then guess what? What used to not be like even sin at all for you, then becomes sin. And, you know, he, he, he brings you. If you want to go higher and higher and higher, you, you just got to keep, keep dealing with the things that he confronts you with. Keep repenting. Keep repenting. Keep pleading the blood. Keep Keep changing. How many have been rebuked today? If you haven't, you're probably illegitimate. That's scary. Five hands going up in the church. How, how many have been rebuked this week by the Lord? He spoke to you and said, don't do that. All right, and the rest of you aren't going to raise your hand. That's how that is. Believe God has the power to change things. Do things in faith. Paul stretched himself out on the young man. I mean, that had to be weird. That'd be weird. Pastor Gil, would you come and help me and be the... <laughs> not tonight. This is what he did. Paul laid it. No, we're not doing that. But if someone's dead, it's interesting he did the same thing that Elijah did. In fact, in the same text, I think it's 2 Kings 4, Elijah stretched himself on top of that boy until the, body, the, the boy's body got warm. I mean, to us in this day and age, it seems so perverse and so weird. You know, God will ask you to do things that are peculiar. I don't think he, he ever asks us to do things perverse. Absolutely not. But he does ask us to do things that don't make any sense, like march around the city for seven days and shout. Or Gideon, smash the pot, light the torch, and yell, I don't think that's scriptural. I don't know what the exact verse is there. <laughs> the battle is the Lord and Gideon's. Great strategy. Unless, of course, God spoke to you. Yeah, believe that God's able to change things. Believe that God has the power to change things and do something. Paul stretched himself out. Do something in faith to change the circumstances. Do something in faith to, con to confront that dead thing, to confront that problem, to confront that issue in your marriage, confront that issue in church, confront that controlling person. Do something in faith. That's what Paul did. He stretched himself out. Get involved. Get involved in working of miracles. Get involved. You know, God partners with us. He co-labors with us. He prayed. He what? He prayed. And God invites us to pray. Let me give you a couple scriptures. Hebrews 4.16. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy. We may receive what? Mercy. In other words, honey, you don't get any mercy unless you came to the throne. And sometimes there's not a release of mercy and grace because you don't pray. We don't pray. We have a tendency not to pray. 
Like God's good, so he can just come through for me. I'm so thankful for the sovereignty of God that he does what he wants, when he wants to, whoever he wants to. I'm so thankful that he shows up in the midnight hour when I didn't pray anything, and he's just like, bam, and he gives me a miracle. But I also understand the dynamic of praying into, binding and loosing, and, and praying and decreeing the power of God, the, the, the healing power of God of the answer. Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation with prayer and petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God. Should probably go on to read verse 7. Anybody have that? Philippians 4, 6. Go on, turn there. First person that gets it, would you raise your hand so I can borrow your sword? So I can paraphrase it, but I don't want to. Can I borrow that? Thank you, sir. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, listen closely, which transcends all understanding, will guard, will guard, will 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 guard, will guard your, you'll guard your what? It was such a lame break. That was like a nineteen fifty. It was I don't know what that was. 55-year-old breakdance right there. Guard your... (laughs) Guard your heart. Guard your what? So in other words, when you're you're anxious, it's it's God trying to indicate to you through your conscience that it's time to have a prayer meeting. I don't do anxiety because the second it comes... It's not that I don't have it occasionally, but when it comes, it's like the alarm going, it's time to pray. And here's what happens if you don't pray. Then you don't see a guarding of your heart. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy when you face things that are like death. And you don't learn to really press in and let God touch you and help you and give you a strategy to cause the, the death situation to become an opportunity for a miracle. And you cave in and you don't pray, then you're not gonna see it. First Thessalonians 5.17. You know, I, for years, I was told the shortest verse in Scripture is Jesus wept. But there's another one. It's the same length. It's uh, second, First Thessalonians 5.17. Pray continually. Actually, verse 16 is only 14 Greek letters. It's actually just as short as Jesus wept. Ephesians 6, 18, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. How many occasions? All occasions, with all kinds of prayers, requests. With this in mind, be alert. Always keeping on praying for all of God's people. And God promises to answer prayer. I want you to say that. God promises to answer prayer. Try it again. God promises to answer prayer. John 14, 14, ask me for anything in my name, I'll do it. Mark 11, 24, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Somebody say, I believe it. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7, it reads, ask and be Given you, seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Verse 8, Matthew 7, 8. The Sermon on the Mount. Everyone who asks, receives. Some of you don't, haven't received because you haven't asked. And to quote scripture, you don't receive because when you ask, you ask amiss. 
He made a prophetic declaration, and this ties into Isaiah 54, which I preached about that woman. You know, that one, that, that one, the desolate. More are the children of the desolate woman. Shout and sing, he says. Go to Isaiah 54. Hurry up, go there. Sing, sing aloud. You who have no children, I'm paraphrasing. Sing aloud. You who, have, you who are barren. Why would a barren person sing? And as I said on, on, on Sunday night, barrenness is a picture of the curse, especially Old Testament perspective. And he's saying, go ahead and sing. And he's a, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor. He's not specifically talking about a pregnant a, a woman who can't have babies, but you certainly could apply it. He's talking to Israel. And he's, making, he's giving a metaphor. A metaphor. I went to Molokai. I pastored there began to eat lots of food, and went from a ripped 195 to 240-something, came back, and Pastor Alan Carvalho said, oh, 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 wow, you're a moak, which is a really big local person. He said, and you're as big as a house. I said, yeah, the church is growing too. <laughs> I am not a house, but I was becoming as big as one. Sing, you barren. He's talking to desolate Israel and the captives, and he's saying, sing, because I'm going to bring you more children. It's a prophetic decree. It's a prophetic decree. And that's what the apostle Paul did. And I had y'all come up on Sunday night and, and begin to say, God is going to do you. You're going to speak his word. He's going to release his power. He's bringing in my loved ones. He's saving the lost. He's healing the sick. His word is sure. His word is true. Let every man be a liar. Oh, God, you're in control. There's nothing that the enemy can do. I'm under your protective covering. Oh, the blood of Jesus has washed away. my. I'm a new creature in Christ. You begin to declare the truth of God's word. Well, I don't feel like it. That's your problem. You live according to your feelings. He made a prophetic decree. He spoke in faith. The boy's dead. The text says he's dead. So he stretches himself out and he hugs a boy and, he, and I imagine looking up to the parents. He's not dead. Because he knew something maybe they didn't know. Come on, someone say, he's not dead. He just looks mostly dead. Mostly dead is not totally dead. Princess Bride, 1980-something. Okay. So he spoke by faith. It could have been any number of different things wrong. I love how it says he went home completely. He was, when he went home, he wasn't just alive. He was well. In other words, he didn't, half his face wasn't hanging, and then he had, a, he had a palsy, and he dragged his leg. That would be great. You know, and if you're dead, and then you're dragging your leg, I mean, that's a, it's a good miracle. You're not dead. You know, but your leg doesn't work. This is what this says, is he's not only not dead, he's well, which means he's 100%. And they were greatly encouraged, as would every other parent and all of the church. Stop focusing on your problems. Stop focusing on your problems. Stop focusing on your problems. Instead, focus on what God's done for you. What has God done for you? You know, we have, in, we have in the Bracken McCall family, we have a tradition of, of memorials. We have memorials. We have certain things in our house. There's artwork, there's rocks. There's, there's different things that I've collected over the years that mark 
Wow, great miracle. When my brother Chris, who might be online tonight, when my brother Chris came to the Lord, it was a, it, we had prayed for him for, I don't know, mom, 20, 25, 30 years, 30 years, 40 years, 40 years, 40 years, that's a long time, 40 years, and he finally comes to Christ during COVID and that whole thing and like gets seriously saved. Not kind of saved, not crocodile tears, and then goes back and drinks a little bit and smokes a little bit and says, well, you know, the Lord knows me so I can smoke herb and, you know, it's good. And, you know, you know fornicating is not all that bad. You can think of the things I used to do. I'm much better. No, not that kind of saved. Because that's not saved. Yes, it is. Oh, no, go read First John and be rebuked. So... He gets saved, saved, saved. You know what I mean? You know that kind of saved? Like, he gets saved, you don't get over it kind of thing? He gets saved like that. And we all need to continue in our faith. Amen? And encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today. To see to it that no one has a sinful, unbelieving heart and turns away from the Lord. So even though you might save, 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 you can turn away also. My brother Chris, when he came, he came and he visited before he moved up here, I believe. And we had this, we had this tree. The pine cone... The tree came from the church property in pinecone form with a little sprout. The new church property. And I had been nursing this thing, and, and I thought, you know what? We're planting this tree, and it's going to be Chris's tree of, of when you got delivered and saved. And we went, we dug a hole out front together. We dug a hole in, in the, out on the corner of our property. We planted the tree. We watered it, fertilized it. It's been a couple years now. I went, I went and looked for it yesterday on the way back from the mailbox because I hadn't seen it. I'm like, man, I hope it survived. I get out there and I look and it's got all this new growth on it. And I thought, yeah, Chris's tree. It's a reminder. If God can save someone like my brother Chris or me for that instance, if God can intervene and do something like that, someone, come on, thank God can do anything. And every time I see the tree, every time I'm gonna see the tree and 40 years from now, 50 years from now, that tree will be a big BC blue spruce. I'm like, hey, hey, some of you need to have memorials. What has God done? Come on, Nantes. What's God done for you? Come on, Vincent. What's hey, What's God done for you? Don't ever forget what God has done for you and rehearse it and remind yourself of it and make memorials instead of focusing on your current problem. He did it before. He can do it. Don't focus on your problems. Focus on what he's done and what he's doing. All right. Everybody say, get on with the vision. Fascinating worship team. Ooh. Was that a word of knowledge or something? Either that or you were translated immediately behind the keys. Woo! Get back to work. Paul raises the dead and it's like awesome praise God let's go back to church I'm not done I'm only halfway done with my message and they head back upstairs three stories back up to the upper room they have communion I mean you could have closed it was a good service the boy's not dead but he wasn't done there are many times that obstacles and problems will come and you can get a breakthrough and then you can just rest on that we have something to do. There's a work to be done. 
And it does not matter the obstacles and the problems and the trials and the difficult. Don't ever waste a good trial, says Mike Bickle. Don't waste it. Let it work in you something. Let it change. Don't waste a good rebuke that you've been received. Work it. I'm becoming more like Jesus. You know, the ones that are really irritating of when the Lord corrects you and you repent, you're like, yes. And then a week later, you get the same test and you fail again. You're like, oh, you're like, Lord, help me. You get some scripture and you memorize it and then you pray. And then two weeks later, you do it again. <laughs> oh, there's no one in here. And what, what I've found for me is it produces in me like just brokenness. I'm thinking, man, God, what a wretched man I am. Who will deliver me from this selfish, fallen human nature? And then, of course, you got to know the next verse. Thanks be to God. Who will deliver me from this body of death? That's Romans. And, and the Apostle Paul is writing, Romans has caused more revival. He's writing to the church in Rome. And he says, who will deliver me from this body of death? You know what a body of death is? is that if you murdered somebody, you, you killed somebody, one of the punishments would be, they would take that dead body and tie it on your back. And then your punishment would be to carry that body on you until you died. Because the body starts rotting it's, it, and, and it gets worse. And then it's got maggots. I'm just saying, this is the way that they would bring judgment sometimes. And you had to walk around and you couldn't take that body off. You could, you had to sleep with it. And eventually you start dying of disease and you die. And Paul says, who will deliver me from this body of death? It's exactly a picture of our fallen human nature. Exactly a picture of that which just wants to step on the grass when you're not supposed to. Who will deliver me? And he says, thanks be to God through Christ Jesus. He's given me a new nature. Or before I had no ability, no power in myself to change. Well, I wanted to, no power. Now. Power, got the word, got the spirit. How many of you are gonna focus on what God has done, what God can do, and you're gonna, you're not gonna, you're not gonna point the finger. You're gonna get irritated at your ex. You're gonna get irritated at point the finger. Don't. No, how many of you are gonna say, I'm going all the way with God. I'm going all the way. He goes back. He preaches. Paul continued and preached till morning. I've seen over and over, and anybody that's been in church, anybody who's been alive for any length of time knows this is true. People get hurt. One of the deepest hurts I see in the valley is church hurt. It's huge. Why is that? Well, hurt people hurt people. And for the grace of God go I, and for the grace of God you go. And you'll find the very same attitudes and that which you're castigating operates in you. The ones that you hate the most, the ones that you can't stand, or actually the ones that are probably in you that you can't stand about you. I've found that. I told somebody recently as we're landing this thing, they were new to the church and I said, you know, I'll never hurt you. And then I realized the Lord said, really? I mean, I, thought, like, uh, uh, I mean, and then I said, oh, sorry. Uh, I won't hurt you on purpose. I can say that. I can say that with absolute integrity. I will not willfully go and hurt someone. But we're human beings and sometimes we don't perceive things. Some of you perceive things very differently. Some of you are so wounded and so rejected that 
that when somebody doesn't acknowledge you or say hi to you or you think they were looking at you and you know they have an attitude man i saw i've had people just call me to my office i need to meet with you pastor or sit down i saw how you were looking at me on sunday i'm like what way was that i didn't even know actually you were here i'm so sorry no you were you were staring right at me and you were talking about i said i'm so sorry but as god is my witness i have no idea what you're talking about and the truth is, even if I did know something about somebody, I'm not going to stare at them. I did that one in my first year of pastoring. I preached to a guy like this. He left the following week and I wept like a baby and I thought, I'll never do that again. I was glad he left. And I was also grieved. He, he could have split the church. I thought first, first shot out the crack, first time at bad for Dr. Morocco and my church gets split by Bubba Bubba. You got to go. Anyway, I've grown up a little bit since then. Some people, they get hurt and they quit. Where are you going? What are you going to quit to? I don't like me. I don't receive my gift. Just pray. God's the one who elevates. They won't, they won't talk to me. Maybe, maybe, you're maybe God's trying to heal you of rejection. I could go on and on and on and on and on and tell you all kinds of you know, stories, but I'm minus 11 minutes in the purple, I guess, and that means I'm supposed to stop. But Paul went on and on, and I'm trying to be biblical right now. Come on, lift your hands to Jesus. Come on, don't, don't point the finger and blame people. Raise the dead. Would you say it? Shut up and raise the dead. Well, I can't believe his parents. Xbox 360 and Jordan I can't believe that church. So hot in there, he got his trunk. I can't believe that preacher went on. Shut up and raise the dead. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to Kings Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.